I think if anything, college uh, and grad school just taught me that if you put yourself out there and meet people, at least for myself, uh, if you put yourself, if I put myself out there and meet people, uh, opportunities will present themselves. A life in public service was a foregone conclusion for Kishin Poda, but knowing what public to serve and what issues to tackle took some years of discernment. First finding his niche in healthcare policy, and then in micro-local politics, he arrived at the sweet spot. Find out how putting yourself out there and figuring out what your neighbors need is at the core of being useful on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. I'm here today with a much-anticipated Kishan Puta, and we are going to talk about putting yourself out there and seeing what comes. So welcome, Kishan. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, it's so great to see you and to hear you and to talk to you again after so many years. Yes, yes. And I am certain that almost everyone knows you or of you in our class, but I am going to still ask the same question I ask everyone, um, set of questions, and they are these. When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become? Hmm. When we were in college, I was someone who wanted to meet everyone and learn from everyone. And being at a, a small rural campus was really perfect for that. <laughs> I think I, I spent more time socializing than studying, but, <laughs> but that is what was driving me. And the pe- I learned a lot from the people. Hey, Kishan, can I interrupt you? Yeah, sure. So I don't think I met you this way. So I'm not sure if it's an apocryphal story or not. <laughs> but did you go around freshman week Introducing yourself as Kishin, like Fishin. Yeah. You did. Nobody ever forgot that, actually. <laughs> I don't think I got to experience it firsthand, but I certainly had heard, like, oh, who's that? Oh, that's Kishin, like Fishin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a true story. <laughs> that is a true story. Yeah. I yeah. think Kishin rhymes with Fishin. Kishin, like Fishin. Yeah. Because uh, I wanted people to say it right. And I thought of it. And it actually was a pretty good icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> for sure it was, memorable. people thought it was weird but most people thought it was funny those were the good old days and um yeah uh, that is who i was when i entered college and through college i learned that i didn't need to try as hard to make friends as when i first started i felt like i needed to try really hard but uh, towards the end yeah, I, I began to feel like uh, people would be, be be able to see me instead of me trying to show everyone who I was. So that is something I learned. And your, your second question was, when I left, who did I think I would become, right? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I did know my next step was graduate school. I had a, a I, I never, you know, really wavered from a high school ambition of public service. And I didn't know what form of public service that would take. I didn't know what field I wanted to serve in. I didn't know uh, whether it would be international or national or federal. But in fact, after many years here in Washington, D.C., I'm doing neither. I'm still doing public service. I had not thought that I would end up doing local. Uh, and that is what I'm primarily doing now is uh, is municipal uh, the, for the great city of the District of Columbia. 
Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely get into that. I'm just curious where that interest in public servant life came from. Was that instilled by your parents or some other examples in your in your past? You know, I would say that a lot of it came from my parents. I, I don't know if uh, how uh, if I would have come to it without without any influence from my parents, but I was drawn to current events and public policy and the law from a fairly young age. So it's the chicken and egg, right? I think my parents saw that interest and did foster it with news clippings and, and encouraging me for to do other things. But yeah, in fact, when I was little, those were not the things they were pushing most, but uh, yeah, public speaking. My parents are both immigrants uh, from India, from small villages in India. My father you know, uh, worked really hard. Uh, he was an engineer, and I always thought of him as a science guy first, but only, only after a while, uh, after uh, I began my career, did I start to really remember that, in fact, his career was spent in public service. Uh, he was an engineer for the state of New York, and we grew up in Albany, the capital. Uh, even my mom worked for the government in biology, and my father uh, on environmental issues. And so uh, it's funny, uh, sometimes you think of someone one way, and then you uh, realize, actually, uh, he had a lot more in common with me than I thought. <laughs> and Dartmouth had such a strong uh, government program. I, all, In fact, outside of class, all of the great speakers we had were encouraging me for more and more. But I just wanted to give back. My parents did believe in giving back and in uh, community service. And you know, this country gave us, our, our family, so much. I've been wanting to give back. Uh, yeah, we wouldn't have had half the, these opportunities anywhere else. So, Kishan, with those great applied role models, you could have just kind of jumped into work life and that was that. But instead, you went the grad school right away route. How did you come to that decision and kind of where did that lead? How did, how did that unfold for you? I guess, like I was saying, Leslie, uh, there's lots of different paths to public service. And between myself and my wife and all of our uh, friends here in Washington and elsewhere who work in public service, um, my networks of of, uh, colleagues in public service, I've heard many different paths and, um, and stories. I didn't know for sure what field I wanted to be in. And so I was looking forward to grad school giving me an even uh, sharper focus. I did think I was going to uh, focus on international issues. And my favorite class at Dartmouth was IEP, International, IPE, International Political Economy. It was with a government professor, a lot of classmates will uh, remember, Michael Mastanduno in the mm-hmm. department. And it was a very popular class for a good reason. He just made it so fascinating to put an economic lens on international relations, which usually you hear of from a security and military point of view because those are the hot issues. But the economics are just as important, if not more important. And I did think I would focus on that in graduate school. And I did. I did. But I I did take a lot of other classes across the Kennedy School of Government and the university. Um, and so, yeah, but but the, I did hope that I would uh, get a, a keener focus. Uh, I was lucky enough to have funding for it as well, a fellowship I earned while I was in college. And those two <laughs> points uh, drove me that direction. As much as uh, I was a better person when I graduated from Dartmouth, 
than when I was when I when I entered. I don't think I was really ready to enter the workforce right away. And I think my twenties indeed were spent, uh, you know, searching for what I wanted to do and what I was best at doing. Right. So uh, foreshadowing. International actually was not the end thing. You've already talked about how local you are. Um, but was that first step after Harvard internationally focused or where did where did your path take you? In fact, no. In fact, no, it wasn't. Um, no, I, I, I think I got a really good education, lots of different issues there. But when I left, it was not my it was no longer my primary uh, focus of what I mm-hmm. wanted to do, but I, I, I did I did want to explore the world, and I did get that opportunity from grad school. I got two positions as a travel writer. I wrote uh, two travel guides, uh, one to India and one to Chile, uh, and I speak Spanish, uh, and so that uh, that was a great opportunity as well. Very cool to travel. Yeah, yeah. I think if anything, college. Uh, and grad school just taught me that if you put yourself out there and meet people, at least for myself, uh, if you put yourself, if I put myself out there and meet people, uh, opportunities will present themselves. And uh, in fact, uh, so I, I actually uh, got really interested in journalism. After, after being a travel writer, I wanted to focus on public service through journalism. Mm-hmm. I, as, as I mentioned, I was trying to figure out what type of public service to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had all this experience with government and politics. And I was thinking to myself, is that really all there is? Or is there something else? And uh, I had an interest in journalism from uh, school newspapers at, at the Dartmouth and uh, my college, my high school newspaper. And so, yeah, I, I, uh, and then after being a travel writer, I said, let me see what, I, what influence I can have uh, writing about government and politics and policy and what influence we can have from the outside. And um, that was good. A great experience as a journalist at m- many publications, both uh, domestically and abroad. I was with the Times of India in uh, Bangalore, the Straits Times newspaper in Singapore, and then domestically with the Providence Journal and the Los Angeles Times before finally wanting to be a political reporter full time in Washington. And so then I came to D.C. to uh, focus on being a political reporter. But being a journalist was an invaluable experience, such great perspective from the outside, looking in, learning to communicate clearly with the average reader, complicated government policies and, and reports, uh, get, drilling them down for, you know, not just your colleagues, but for everyday readers, for them to understand, for them to be able to make sense of the world. Uh, that has been a very invaluable tool as well. Continuing that theme from earlier, where you want to meet everyone and learn from them, yes. you know, you need to do that when you're crafting stories. And for sure, to- for sure, you can't not be a people person if you're a reporter, especially a, a local reporter. And uh, it gave me license to just talk to anyone. And even as a political reporter, it gave me license to <laughs> go up to powerful leaders and just ask them <laughs> questions. And that was my job. And that was it. Was it, they were supposed to. Yeah, listen to me and answer my questions. And so that was that, I, that, that, that was yeah, a good fit. It was definitely a good fit. Uh, journalism was a great experience. Eventually, I decided that uh, I, I found a field I, I loved, uh, which was healthcare policy. I was writing about it, and I decided uh, 
I finally found that field that I think is the the one that I'm going to focus on and let me let let me jump in and actually uh, try to make this make the policies better. Yeah, instead of being on the outside looking in. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how how does that happen? How do you say, oh, now I found it. I'm going to go do it. <laughs> Where do you find yourself? Well, uh, you know, actually, if you don't mind, Leslie, I'll, uh, I will actually um, mention why I think health policy is so fascinating. Sure. Yeah. Um, to me, uh, at least, uh, of all the different fields and issues out there, the U.S. actually uh, is doing it differently than other countries and not necessarily better. But because we're doing it differently, we have the opportunity to improve the most and to to learn from our mistakes and to come up with uh, uh, perhaps a, uh, an even better solution eventually. We unfortunately spend so much money on healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just an issue that is ripe for uh, reform. And obviously, it is also very emotional and you can't get more vital to somebody than their health and their life and death situations that they face on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and lastly, uh, because of all of that, it's also in America for those and other reasons. So healthcare policy is just about the most politically fraught. Uh, so I figured, let me take on the hardest <laughs> and most important and most expensive issue I, we can take on because I, I thought to myself, I have uh, a, a career in front of me. Uh, uh, maybe there's a chance that we can improve this. Luckily, as a, as a political reporter and any, kind, any government reporter has really good contacts in the uh, public sector, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, well, it wasn't necessarily that hard because I was already here in D.C. I had the contacts made up as a journalist and I was young and I was willing to take anything. But uh, interestingly enough, the first position wasn't in government. It was in the private sector analyzing the government, uh, mm. specifically yeah, analyzing healthcare policy for the private sector. So that was a, it was actually a good transition because industry knowledge is always really helpful uh, for policymakers. Uh, there's too many policymakers who speak about policy, not realizing the impact on the industry that actually carries it out on the hospital sector, on the, the physician sector, on the pharmaceutical sector. And, and you have to have that, uh, that understanding to make good policy. Um, you have to know what's right and wrong, but you also have to know what the implications are going to be to make the, the right policies. You know, you can, you know, you know what side you want to be on. That's, that's fine. But what is the specific policy getting that industry? Otherwise, you're going to have to rely on the industry to tell you, uh, knowing it was helpful. Uh, and then, then I went to the Senate. In between, I had another position. It was uh, focusing on healthcare disparities. I was with a nonprofit as well on healthcare disparities for minority communities, which is also a great angle. Yeah. So I went from the 
corporate sector to the to the nonprofit sector to uh, really round out my experience because again you need to know what the implications are on the most vulnerable communities uh, and you can know that anecdotally and theoretically mm. but the vulnerable communities aren't the ones lobbying Congress uh, enough the, the, those everyday people aren't coming to Congress to tell you uh, what it's going to mean for them so to actually work on it to meet those communities to go out in those communities and uh, uh, learn what they really needed and didn't need from the government was helpful. I took all that and went to the Senate. And then I, I, I think I had a really good, pretty good grounding on uh, healthcare policy that put it all together for me. And then when the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare was being debated, I went back to the private sector to make it work uh, because uh, it was focused on health insurance, this big change in healthcare in America. Even though health insurance is kind of an arcane subject, that really was the probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing that needed reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were way too many people, tens of millions of people in America without health insurance. And that doesn't happen in England and in Germany and in Spain. Uh, they have universal health insurance. You can find pros and cons to it, but we didn't even have the coverage here for tens of millions of people. Um, and uh, I was very proud to help implement uh the Affordable Care Act uh, at the federal level through the insurance industry, and then really making it work uh, at the at the state level. Uh, Obamacare is run by the states for the most part, and DC, uh, where I live, I watched it getting implemented, and I wanted to help make it implemented here. We are, for all intents and purposes, a state uh, in terms of how we're run. Uh, we just uh, need to become the 50- don't, don't have that yet, right? We need to become the fifty first state, but we do run our own Obamacare system. It's called DC HealthLink, and that's who I've worked for for the last eight years. So really, all these layers of the onion looking in from the outside, getting closer and closer to the real work, and then doing that real work. Yeah. And so, Kitchen, I know that that has been one aspect and a huge aspect of your public service. But there's this other that really speaks to the Kishin puts himself out there train of thought we've been going on. And you decided to do what seems crazy to most people and put yourself really out there and run for office, elected office. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, As I began to get involved locally, I I realized uh, there was another way to serve here. And um, we're a pretty well-run city. And so there's actually an opportunity to really make progressive policies that change people's lives, to be at the forefront of them, whether it's on uh, paid leave, et cetera. Um, um, So many progressive policies have been uh, either getting started in the District of Columbia or getting you know proven uh, as uh, proofs of concept here in the District of Columbia. So that was that was definitely very encouraging. And I realized we also have a very local level of elected office here. They're called commissioners. And I thought to myself, why not why not run? And it, it, it was definitely a uh, a big step. But I do love uh, meeting people and helping people. It was great to do it at the federal level and at the policy level, but I also wanted to help my local community. And there's many ways to do that, but DC offers this extra way of doing it, of running very, very locally. So I started to you know, go out and ask people what they needed from their city, what they wanted. In fact, 
I, I heard one thing consistently, uh, it was transportation at that time. People were having a lot of trouble uh, getting getting to work or getting to school on the bus lines. And uh, so I went out to the bus stops and uh, started organizing. It took a lot of hard work. It took a long time to get uh, press coverage, to get the government to take notice and to eventually make changes and improvements that helped a lot of people. But that experience uh, it only encouraged me. And um, I was very pleased to run for commissioner and win in a three-way race in my first race with a large margin. Uh, and uh, it gave me the confidence to uh, to keep pushing for improvements. And that was in one part of the city where I lived, DuPont Circle. And now I live in another part of the city, the Berlith and Georgetown neighborhoods. And uh, I, when I moved here went with my wife, her name is Divya, and she's wonderful. And uh, but she did not want to live in that condo anymore, so we got a house over here. And I told her we can move, but I'm, I'm going to run again. <laughs> but she also helped me very much. She's a great baker as well as a foreign policy expert, and so she uh, baked hundreds of campaign cookies that I oh my God. I used when I went door to door campaigning with my newborn son, actually. And uh, <laughs> oh, that's how you wrap it up—the yum smell and the cute kid. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Absolutely, in uh, in the baby Bjorn, <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was pleased to be reelected over in this new neighborhood as well, and I've uh, been working on uh, new issues, uh, not just transportation, but now uh, education is a, another very important topic. Our city is great in so many ways, as I mentioned, but one thing that's holding us back from being even better is our public school system. The quality is not even across our city, and I want to help advocate for for uh, improvements. And that's especially with the little one uh, coming up. Uh, he's three now in preschool. Uh, I'll be entering the, the elementary school shortly before I know it. And uh, so I wanted to uh, get a head start on uh, addressing education. Yeah, well, that comes full circle because your ed earlier education had helped you get to all of these places. Right. Christian, when you think back to Kishin like fishin. Could that person have imagined where you are? Is this kind of what he had in the field of view? Or what would he say? That's a good question. Um, I have not thought of it exactly like that, but um, I do from time to time think of that person. That person in college did want to help people and did have an interest in running for office someday, to be honest. In fact, I, I, I do recall freshman year running for class president. <laughs> <laughs> I did not win, which is okay. But uh, I did student government as well. And I did have that interest uh, someday. I didn't know when, I didn't know where, I didn't know what. But I am glad that I was able to put myself out there to be given a chance to serve by my constituents and to uh, to help make my, my city and my neighborhood and my world a little better. And that was my goal. I'm still not done. I want to do a lot more in the coming years. And, and my son is inspiring me to do that. Well, you are inspiring, Kishin, for always being willing to take that risk and say hello and ask what people need and to try the best to fill it. You are 
indeed an inspiration and there's no one I would want to have knock on my door and ask me what I need and give me cookies uh, than you. (laughs) So you're welcome anytime. And it's been a delight. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, Leslie. That was Kishan Putta, who has worked for over a decade in healthcare policy in Washington, D.C., where he also has served in elected office, representing two different neighborhood wards. He currently lives in the Berleith, Georgetown neighborhood of D.C. with his wife and young son. Though we can't promise to bring freshly baked cookies to your door, we do promise to serve up some delicious stories of more fascinating souls on this show. We so appreciate your listening and would love your help spreading the word. While our full archive of episodes, show notes, and transcripts can be found at roadstakenshow.com, it's ever so helpful for you to follow, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, where over half of our listeners find us, or wherever you find your podcasts. With your help, more people will be able to gain hearing from my guests and me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, on future episodes of Roads Taken. Roads Taken.